Hello friends, this is Ross Sutherland. I'm talking to you, as always, from the bottom of my wardrobe, or as I now call it, my recording studio. I uh, I just want to send out a quick message of empathic support to you all, particularly if you are listening to this podcast in the week that it airs, like right now. It's the end of November, most people are broke and cold and ill. The weather's finally turned. Of course, like British weather is perpetually turning, our, our seasons aren't laid out like four suits in a fresh pack of cards. No, God shuffled our deck some years ago, so now in Britain it goes spring, summer, summer, winter, summer, winter, autumn, autumn, autumn. Except that when we hit this particular point in the year, the end of November, uh, all the indecision drops away and the sky finally makes up its mind to murder us with its ghost hands of freezing fog and rain. It's a shitty time of year and we should try to share that feeling around best we can. Let ourselves know that we're not alone in feeling like this and we should remind ourselves that it's okay to be miserable as long as we don't use that misery to hurt ourselves or anybody else. We can indulge our depressive tendencies, use them for introspection, and then when we're done with introspection, we can use our misery as a springboard to get ourselves to the pub and get completely out of our minds. Or, you know, go for a 10-mile run and get completely out of our minds. Escapism, that's the important part. That's what I'm saying. It's part of the cycle. Embrace it. You've got to go away and come back. It's the first rule of show business. Of course, you already know this. I'm just trying to give you an excuse to put it into action. Like We all feel like zoo baboons pelted with gravel by French school kids. We all feel like concussed pensioners hanging from the chair strap of a roller coaster accident. We all feel like we're the only frauds in a world full of irrefutable absolutes. But I say this. Uh, if you hate yourself, dear listener, don't worry, you're not alone. Imaginary advice. Okay, well I just listened back to that bit and it actually it sounded like I was saying, if you hate yourself then I hate you too, which is, I, I didn't mean that. I, uh, ignore that, ignore everything I said. Today's programme is all about art. Uh, Back in another life, around 2006, I was a freelance writer for the Metro newspaper in Liverpool, mostly writing reviews of visual and conceptual art shows around Merseyside area. And uh, and I loved it so much, even though I wasn't particularly great at it. Um, I was hired originally because of the Liverpool Biennial. Uh, where, if you don't know, for, like, for one month, uh, every available space in the city gets transformed into a gallery. And because there was just so much art to cover, uh, the Metro hired me to help pick up the slack. But even so, but there, was, there was so much stuff going on that any attempt to document it all felt impossible. There was always more, like little hidden temporary galleries materialising in the backs of shops, doors appearing where there was no door before, turning off any 
main street, down any alley. It felt like, uh, it felt like if you looked hard enough, you would automatically just find a hidden back room full of pictures of crap sunsets and sculptures of dolls' heads smeared with makeup, almost as if you had just willed that temporary gallery into existence, just with the power of your mind. It was my good friend Nick Holloway who took this idea and ran with it. Nick was a fellow Metro journalist as well as an incredible artist in his own right. Nick had the idea of peppering his genuine reviews of art with other fabricated ones. Art that he himself had wanted to make but didn't have the resources. After all, uh, he thought, like, who would know? Like, in a saturated environment like this, who can separate the fake art from the real stuff? Like, making art, it's expensive and it's time-consuming. Why bother with the cumbersome process of creation when you can just skip the middleman and go straight to the review? So, this began as a column that Nick wrote in Mercy magazine called New Art News and the trend sort of grew on from there. And I'd love to be able to read you some of Nick's reviews, but um, I don't have them here, but they're, they're all incredible. I do have a couple of mine though. Uh... At the far end of Renshaw Street, the dispensary pub is playing host to a series of projections by installation artist Mick Brown. Don't ask me for help, I'm just a photograph is a montage of photo portraits of famous psychologists all looking sympathetically into the lens which is looped over screams of children and the collected recordings of drunk people trying to explain what happens at the end of Vanilla Sky. If this sounds too intense an experience, then I recommend standing outside and observing the shattered expressions of locals as they exit the pub, having just gone in for a quiet pint on their way home from their meaningful existences. Also, if you are standing right next to the dispensary pub, then you are undoubtedly right in front of the work of controversial sculptor Janosch Krag. This ominous 24-hour lamp post is seamlessly integrated into the surrounding environment. Many critics have claimed Craig's work is, quote, too good for journalism, end quote, and have simply left him to it. Idiot Clock is available for immediate purchase. By the time that the next biennial rolled around, uh, this project it had grown into... Um, a downloadable audio guide of entirely fictional artworks, um, also curated by by Mercy. The idea is that um, it's basically meant to be like a walking tour. You kind of put the guide onto your MP3 player, then kind of go to a particular spot in Liverpool, select the correct track, and then the audio guide plays, and you have your surroundings recontextualized into a piece of modern art, almost as if the city itself had become a kind of living gallery. The final piece on our trail today is cemented directly into the pavement outside Caesar's Palace. Not a bad restaurant, 
if I do say so myself, even if it does feel a little bit 1980s Michael Douglas if you go in at a weekend. As you move around to the side of the restaurant, you will come face to face with local artist Maggie Hart's phenomenal statue of John Lennon and Phil Spector. Hart's sculpture recreates a scene familiar to all Liverpudlians, not to mention Beatles fans worldwide. The giant bronze monument is based on an encounter between Lennon and Spectre whilst recording the album Rock and Roll in 1973, although you'd be forgiven for not immediately recognising Spectre, seeing as he is dressed in a full surgeon's outfit. However, the fact that the surgeon is firing a revolver into the ceiling pretty much confirms the identity as Spectre's. Hart has cleverly used the bullet's trajectory as the support column for the recording studio ceiling, so it looks a bit like Spectre is holding a massive square umbrella over Lennon's head as he clasps his ears in pain from the noise of the gunshot. Thus, a vague sense of companionship is added to an otherwise solemn moment in Lennon's recording career. The effect overall is quite wonderful. Even someone such as myself, who listens to music infrequently, and even then, purely as an aphrodisiac, can see the unquestionable beauty here. Something beyond music. A doctor with a gun heals parts that other doctors cannot reach. Now, the, the full audio guide uh, had contributors from lots of UK poets, including uh, Luke Kennard, Byron Vincent, Eleanor Rees, Kirsty Irving, Chris McCabe. Um, it doesn't seem, as far as I can see, it doesn't seem to be online anymore. And I've lost my copy in, um, uh, in a hard drive crash I had a couple of years ago. But I'm asking around, and, and if I find it, I'm going to arrange, well, I'm going to try to arrange with Mercy to have the guide reposted somewhere, uh, if, if I can. And if, if it happens, I'll, I'll link to it from my Tumblr, which is imaginaryadvice.tumblr.com. I don't think that the project was ever simply about lampooning conceptual art. Like, I think it's more heartfelt than that. I think that, you know, as poets, we really enjoyed drawing parallels between the contemporary art world and the poetry world, because I think we see a lot of similarities between those two worlds. I spend a lot of time teaching poetry to school kids, and uh, I often try to get them to approach a poem in the same way that they would approach something in the gallery. I don't know why, but I just find that to be like a useful bit of reframing. I think it encourages kids to ask themselves, uh, you know, well, how does this make me feel? rather than just asking, what does this mean? Okay, um, with that in mind, I'm going to present to you now the main piece of today's show. This is a monologue that was originally broadcast on an Australian radio programme called Radio Tonic on RN, which is part of ABC Network. The monologue is written from the perspective of a haunted painting. 
However, rather than taking the uh, traditional haunted painting form of uh, a spooky, sallow-skinned governess or weeping Victorian infant, this particular haunted painting is, uh, is abstract. The piece is called Haunted Paintings Can Be Abstract Too. Mortal, look upon this painting, look upon me, can you feel the darkness, my presence living inside this canvas, do you feel my unspeakable evil staring back at you from the wall? Or are you just too stupid to understand modern art? Just because there isn't an actual pair of eyes in this painting, is it not too difficult for you to get your head around the concept of non-objective representation? <laughs> I suppose you think the painting's just somehow stopped being cursed with the advent of abstract expressionism. I mean, someone like you would think that, wouldn't you? I am so, so sorry that your concept of humanity is limited to recognizing a face. These abstract shapes are meant to be a representation of my emotions, you bloody simpleton. You should be very scared of me right now. If you had an art degree, you would know this already. Look, just step back a bit. Try to, just try to take in the whole thing. I'm not a picture of an evil thing. I'm a picture of an evil idea. It's more about mood. Uh, yes, good, okay. Now, look upon me, mortal. Can you now see the demonic spirit implied by the action of paint upon this canvas? See how the careful choice of materials and their rigorous technical application subtly suggest the shifting aspects of a deranged, unholy concept. I am a totally abstract representation of evil. I am untitled beyond language. My canvas is a window onto a plane of representation far beyond the boundaries of your mundane reality, which should terrify you if you just stopped to think about it for a second. Some people, educated people, stare at me for hours trying to gather the infinite emotional complexities that float across my canvas, they look at me aghast, trying to imagine what possible evil these symbols might be referencing. This triangle, for example. What secrets does it contain? What does this little triangle really point to? Madness? 
perhaps, perhaps that is one of the many legitimate interpretations of my evil. The ambiguousness is intentional, yes. What about this series of wavy lines? What terrifying abyss is being suggested here? I mean, there are no simple answers. You just have to enter the conversation and engage with the... Are you going? Seriously, are you leaving? Okay. Okay, too scared, no doubt. <laughs> well, fine. Run, mortal. My evil hold upon you will only become stronger once you have gone away and researched me a bit. You can't fight back against an abstract idea. You can't lock down a series of concepts, you poor, poor fool. An abstract painting clearly, clearly has the capacity to be infinitely more terrifying than the traditional representational haunted paintings of the last century. All those paintings of old women sitting under willow trees and sad children in flat caps, oh yes, very scary if your only understanding of evil comes from Scooby-Doo. Well, yes, I bet, in fact, if I was one of those awful cheap reproductions of a crying boy in a hat, you'd have been shaking in your bloody tracksuit, wouldn't you? Evil ghosts haven't been sleeping on the last 150 years of artistic endeavor. We're getting trapped inside contemporary artworks every single day. We're haunting some extremely progressive, challenging installations. So you and your tiny-faced Philistine friends better bone up on your Frederick Jameson, otherwise you're just not going to appreciate how genuinely spooky some of this new stuff is. Fine. Go ahead. Leave. But you can't run from a picture with no perspective. You can't escape what you can't understand. Art is meant to be challenging, but you're scared of it for all the wrong reasons. That piece, as I said, was originally recorded for Radio Tonic on RN. It was produced by Eleanor McDowell for Falling Tree Productions. That's all. Yes, that, I'm, I'm talking, but I have nothing more to say. This has been Imaginary Advice. Thanks for listening.